Blog Talk Radio. Hey, and welcome to this installment of the Diardro Show. My name is Brian Diardo, joined by Brian Rosen. It's uh, it's playoff time. We got a lot to talk about. We're gonna hit up some NFL, and as I just said, we're gonna hit up some hockey and some uh, NBA playoffs as uh, both both respective sports are in the second round of their playoff brackets. And so we'll hit all that up. What's going on, Brian? How you doing tonight, bud? I am doing wonderful. It's almost Friday. And I do have a job, and I do have stuff to do. But very excited. Uh, some good stuff. I mean, the Cavs are playing great. Jack for it. And uh, for anyone that wants to tune in, uh, you know, you're tuning in. They want to call 619-924-9828. That is 619-924-9828. And uh, a lot of good stuff to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit about the Little Steelers, much to my dismay, but it's interesting. Uh, going to talk you know, about uh, the hit on Sidney Crosby in the Penn's Cap Series. Going to talk Cavaliers, maybe get into a little bit of Tribe, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, whatever you want to talk about. Whatever you want to talk about. Uh, that's what we're here for. 619-924-9828. So, Brian, you know, we, we like to start this. And obviously, you know, so it can interrupt if call, for callers. But we usually like to start this with a rant or a, di- you know, Rosen's rant or Diardo's diet crime, and honestly, since we didn't talk about this, because this was impromptu, I'll just ask you on the air, is there something you can think of you want to talk about, or I can go for it and think of something, whatever whatever you want to do. You know what? My This is a really weird one that I honestly just kind of thought about, which is that um, Good. And it's really weird. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Find your role models at home. Because I had actually a conversation with uh, some friends at dinner, and we are talking about Hall of Fame and all this stuff, and he grew up a Reds fan with Pete Rose, and it broke his heart when the gambling thing went down, and the steroid era, and it honestly just kind of remembered that, that these guys that we watch all the time, I mean, I think we get a little bit more of a sense of them now that, that we're in the social media era, that you could see a lot more of the personalities now outside of, of the field of play. But at the end of the day, find your own models at home. Find your, your role models within your family um, if you're lucky enough to have role models. I, I know, Brian, I mean, I've known you for a long time. I know your family, and I know that you would consider your, your both of your parents role models, and, and likewise with me, and, and we're very lucky that we didn't have to look to sports for that. Um, but that's the thing. Obviously, we want to cheer for people that we respect as human beings too, uh, but unfortunately, you know, un, you know, there's quite a few bad apples out there, both in sports and outside of sports, so – not sure why I decided to go with that rant. I think it was on my mind just in general with, with with kind of just the spectrum of the world we live in today. But that's my advice. I'm not sure if there's any young sports fans listening to this. But if you are, that's my advice to you. Find your role models at home and not necessarily on the sports screen. So uh kind of went deep there with, with my diatribe. But uh, there's other stuff I do want to talk about tonight. If we get to it, if we get to it, and I, it's brewing, Brian, the Michael Jordan – LeBron James debate, and we are going to go full throttle if LeBron wins another ring. We might delve into that, delve in, into that on the show. I'm not sure, but that's that's where I got Brian. And uh, what, what say you, man? What, what's your Rosen's rumblings? Well, and, and there's a good example of you know, if anyone wants to call and talk about it, we can talk about it as much or as little as, as people want. If you're interested in it, I, I yeah, I mean, I, I said to you. And on this podcast, you know, it's something I'm excited to talk about. I kind of wanted the ring first, 
but it's a great topic. So I'm totally cool getting getting into that, uh, you know, basically immediately. But uh, for my Rosen's rant, I have to say I am so excited about Dr. Smooth, Michael Brantley. He's my favorite player, and I'm not one, you know, who tries to get locked in to favorite players at this point. I think it speaks to what you just talked about, role models and things like that. I think you lose that as you get older. You start to understand who the players are, and I think you remember more as you get older, you appreciate it's about the Cleveland. For you, it's about the Pittsburgh. More so than it is about, you know, the Steelers, the Browns, the Cavs, the Indians, the Pirates, the Penguins. You know, it, it's – so I'm, I don't really have as many people that I, I necessarily look up to in that way. But Michael Brantley, just the way he plays the game, is tremendous. Uh, he does, does it the right way. They call him Dr. Smooth, cause, and, and that's one of the best compliments you can have. Smooth, consistent, and that's what you're looking for in any sport, especially in a grinded-out, tough, tough sport like baseball. So I love it. I'm so happy that, that Michael Brantley, fingers crossed, I mean, hey, early May, he's looking really good and looks like himself, and that's scary for uh, the rest of baseball and makes me very excited and optimistic about if he can maintain his health, fingers crossed, what he could mean to the Indians in the postseason, and you need players. So that is my Rosen's rant for the day. Um, Brian, uh, we can go wherever at, at this point. I know. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, callers that want to jump in. So when we do, we can you can you can let me know, and we'll do that. But um, you know, we can start talking Cavs if you want, and I guess just start it generally with your overall impressions of the Cavs in this series against Toronto? Well, dude, it, it's crazy because I actually watched um, – now, every every sports family is different, and it's so funny, man. Growing up when I was a kid, you just – when the Penguins were on the playoff, you just – you didn't bother my father. But I thought maybe as he had aged, maybe he had mellowed out a little bit. No, 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 not at all. He is as hardcore as he ever has been, and – so we watched the Penguins playoff game together. And I hate this, by the way. Like, ideally, the, the Penguins would be playing on, like, Monday night and the Cavs would be playing on Tuesday night. No. They're going to freaking mirror each other. Well, not anymore. Now, tomorrow, finally, will be the first time they don't play at the same times. But literally, games one and two, Cleveland and Pittsburgh run at the same time, which is awful for me. But since we live in the year 2017, I could just watch both at the same time, one on my phone and one on TV. I'm telling my father during game two how bad Cleveland's dominating, which he doesn't care because he's watching the Penguins. But it's amazing to me, Brian. It's amazing to me how easy this is for Cleveland. And I'm still the same guy. And I don't like to say all the time, I told you so, I told you so. But I, I do, you know, because I'm not right all the time. But I will say this. I knew they'd be okay. I knew they'd be okay. And I knew, yes, their defense was awful at the end of the regular season. And I know that was stressing you out, Brian, and that you were having some doubts maybe about getting that tattoo. And I know since you've changed your mind rightfully. But I honestly just – this team just knows how to flip the switch. They really do. It's, at least now. It, it's almost like a veteran team that, that kind of like gets into playoffs or gets in the regular season shape or gets in, into season shape during training camp. A lot of times with Steeler fans, you know – they used to make fun of Ben because you could just tell that Ben would, would come into the training camp out of shape. He'd work his way in. It's almost like with this Cavs team, it's like they work out their kinks in the playoffs because they're that good. And, yeah, like, you know, those games with Indiana, it was a sweep, but they were all close games. 
But at the end of the day, they, they figured some things out. They tightened up their defense. They got uh, more in sync with J.R. Smith. and The role players played better, and they still won. And now, just like they did uh, you know, with the Celtics in, in 15, they swept them, and with Detroit last year. Those were good series in terms of how close each game was. But at the end of the day, Cleveland's 12-0 in those games. And it just keeps getting easier and easier because the familiarity is, is getting stronger. And they, they just look so locked in, Brian. I think that's the biggest thing I've taken away from these games, how locked in they are and how much they're enjoying it. It doesn't look like a burden to them. It doesn't look like they're just like, oh, we can't wait to get to the finals. They're taking this seriously, and I think they're taking their cue from, from LeBron. I don't know if LeBron was ever the best leader. And, and Brian, you can attest, you can discuss that better than me because you followed uh, you know, LeBron's first go-around in Cleveland you know, closer than I did. But I think his leadership now is second to none in sports and, and, and all, all across the board. I mean, maybe Tom Brady, uh, his leadership in New England. But other than that, man, I mean, that's the thing I took away most, uh, along with how easy it was, was just how locked in they looked last night and how they've looked locked in so far this entire postseason. Yeah. Uh, right now, yeah, it, it, it's exciting. What's most, I think, is important to me is that, that they're just starting to look like they themselves. I mean, the, the defensive efforts with Batter, Ty Lue's done a great job in that regard. And the bench, I mean, that is what is so exciting. Um, you know, I was talking with someone yesterday about, you know, the fact that Kyrie, especially offensively, just being honest, hasn't really done all that much. He hasn't been that great. Um, and when I say offensively, let me, let me rephrase the scoring because – uh, incredible job with the assist, 10 and 11. Uh, but the scoring hasn't been at the level that we expect from him, and that's not taking anything away from him. I look at it as a huge, huge positive because you've got guys right now, you know, like Darren Williams and Channing Fry and maybe Kyle Korver that could be really, really big problems for the Cavs, uh, huge defensive liabilities against the Warriors. You might not be able to play any of those guys very much at all. And I'm not sure any all those guys even play. So suddenly, if you're able to win right now with these role players, they may not be there against the Warriors. Hey, it's all good with me. That's why I know Kyrie's going to be there. And that's when we're going to love more. And I expect him to be there. He's had a tremendous season. Was an all-star, deservingly so. Just couldn't play because of the injury. And then you mentioned with LeBron, I mean, let's ignore – Jordan and LeBron for a second, or LeBron versus Jordan, if you want to put it that way. Uh, it's, he, he said the best, this is the best regular season LeBron had statistically. And in the playoffs, he's just on a whole other level. He's hitting his free throws, especially in this series. I think he's only missed two, maybe three. But whatever. I mean, that's got, he has to have at least 20 attempts um, in, in the two games. So when you have that many and you've had two miss, good deal. The outside shooting is tremendous, as good as you can ever remember it being. And, of course, the, the, the good old number one, drive the lane, and you're going to get fouled and make it, or get fouled and miss it, or maybe you just make it. Good things happen when LeBron drives the lane. But he's able to right now beat you with the rest of his game. And that is so, so scary. Oh, that's scary. Good stuff. Good, good stuff. Well, so, you, you nailed it because his shooting has gotten so much better. And it's amazing because 
the thing that no one has really realized about quite I think people now realize I still I actually don't think they still get enough credit for it. They beat Golden State at their own game last year. And they reinvented themselves where LeBron's pretty much like, you know, all right, let's I'm gonna get better at my shooting and we're gonna bring in, you know, all these guys that can shoot threes around me and we're gonna make it work and we're gonna beat Golden State at their own game along with still me being LeBron James and I'm going to do my transition dunks and I'm going to do my inside game thing, the things I've always done. But now I'm going to show you some of my outside arsenal and I'm going to use my passing skills to really, you know, just open up everything else. Like that's the thing I think everybody has forgotten about LeBron is that he, I mean, this is where as great as Jordan was, I can't say that he was better passer than LeBron. I just can't like LeBron made a pass. Last, or, yeah, it was last night. He made a pass to J.R. Smith, and J.R. Smith was swinging to where he was throwing the ball, like a receiver. Normally in basketball, you throw to where the guy's standing, not where you want him to go. LeBron threw it to where he wanted J.R. to go, and if J.R. wouldn't have moved, that ball would have went in the stands. But he, he just has that – even if he hasn't played with J.R. that much this season, he just has a sense for it. And he throws it, J.R. catches it, and shoots it with the confidence that he shouldn't have because it was a hard – low percentage shot and it went in and you can just tell that it's just and that's the thing it's not all LeBron and and but it's a lot of it is is his influence and his presence and I think his teammates don't want to let him down because and I think this is again what makes LeBron great is because they know that if he has faith in them they're getting the ball and even if he doesn't have faith in them they're getting the ball anyways that's the way he plays if he has to take over he will but he knows that Toronto is so much – they're such an inferior team that he'll keep going to them even if they're not making their shots because they're still going to win. And I don't know. It, it, I mean, you look at last night. Um, I'm having a brain malfunction now, but but uh, Toronto's point guard, um, Lowry, I mean, he could be injured now. Um, and then DeRozan, who I really like. I'm, I'm a fan of his. I mean, one point last night, I mean, it was – I don't know, and it, I thought the Ibaka trade might give them something. Cause I thought I, maybe I gave Ibaka more credit than maybe he's not quite what I thought he was. But, I mean, I was just looking at the talent differential and just how Cleveland's built and how Toronto's built. I mean, I'm sorry, Brian. I don't. I think this game – I think this series is over in four. I really do. I, I think that – and I think the main reason why is because I think – LeBron and them, they all remember last year when they were on their way to sweeping Toronto, and Toronto fought their way and won two games and, and made that series longer than it should have been. I think that is motivation for Cleveland to just finish it as soon as possible. And now when you see Boston, who, you know, I would call tonight's loss a blowout, um, I would say now there's even more incentive for Cleveland to finish the job and to be even more rested. So, Ah, if you're a Cleveland fan, I mean, you just enjoy these two games. I think you're going to be seeing a sweep, bud. And that's completely fine. Uh, there's a lot lot to talk about there, but I want to start off with Toronto. And, yeah, Kyle Lowry, tough injury. I mean, he's he's been pretty good. It's not really his fault, but, man, DeFrozen was awful yesterday. DeMar. Hey, we so do have bad. a call. We do have a call. Then, if you don't mind, we'll, we'll, we're going to get to that here. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. Let's go ahead, go ahead to the call, and then we'll be talking more about the pros. All right, let us know your name and uh, what you'd like to talk about. 
Yeah, this is uh, this is Jonathan in Denver. How you doing there, fellas? What's up? Good, Jonathan. Jonathan. Good, good, man. How uh, what, what what you got tonight? Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess uh, you know, big Cavs fan. Uh, I kind of like what I'm seeing so far in the playoffs. I wouldn't say they've necessarily flipped the switch yet, but uh, I think we have a little bit more uh, Cavs to watch here before this postseason's over. So I just wanted to make a quick ob- observation about the NBA playoffs, and let me tell you, you guys can tell me what you think. Uh, it seems like there's just such a such an emph- emphasis now recently on you know rest and making sure that that players are fresh and ready to go. And it seems like a lot of times in the postseason you get home court advantage and you can get out to these big leads. And you see a lot of teams just kind of start pulling their guys or the leads get away. And you, you, I guess we don't see. I guess what I, I guess what I'm getting at is we don't tend to see those. Those um, those close playoff matchups like we like we typically have over the years. It seems like a lot of these series kind of get out of hand, and people I guess teams play to win the series. They don't always necessarily play to win every single game. So I like you, you've seen it already in the San Antonio Houston series where both teams got big leads and kind of sat their stars to prepare for the next game, and saw it a bit today with the Boston Washington game. And I just I, I you know I kind of question if I mean obviously the the, the prime example is the NBA Finals last year where the first six games were, were virtually all blowouts up until game seven. And I just question if that's really the way the league wants to go. And uh, if that's just kind of, I think that's a great, I think you made it, you make a great point. Um, and, and that's what I think is so interesting. We're so conditioned. I complained on this show. All, uh, the only thing I really complained about until things really got out of hand in the regular season for the Cavs was rest. I, I, I'm going to be honest. I completely bought in. And the regular season, the playoffs are different. So, yeah, I understand that. But, yeah, we do. I think we think so much about this rest. And, like, LeBron played all these minutes, and he's playing better than he's ever played. And he doesn't look like he's slowed down at all. Obviously, you want to try to get this series done with as quickly as possible, which Brian thinks is going to be four. I am not going to go there yet. Uh, if the Cavs win game three, they win game four. That, I have no doubt about that. But uh, I'm not going not gonna to go there. But, yeah, I think, I mean, it's a great – it's a great – topic and it is definitely interesting the idea of, of resting and, and how last year and this year so many blowouts that's what you get a lot in the NBA playoffs especially early so Brian your thoughts yeah I would agree and to me it's just amazing how the talent discrepancy between the top teams in the league and Cleveland and Golden State or, or, or them and then you know the teams that aren't as good it's just it's unbelievable to be I mean they're really they're 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 the, they're the cream of the league, and as good as San Antonio is, I wasn't that impressed watching them yesterday. I mean, again, like they won sixty some games, they had the second best record in the league, but it wasn't. They didn't look very impressive to me. As much as I love Paul Gasol from his Laker days, he's obviously over the hill now with Parker getting hurt. Um, I think Kawhi Leonard's amazing. He should he should be you know in the top three in the league in MVP voting this year. Uh, but I, they're, I don't think they're even as good as Cleveland. I think Cleveland would beat them in six or seven games. So, um, just the discrepancy level right now is just unbelievable in the NBA. And people think that I always hear that the Western Conference is better than the Eastern Conference. I mean, I'm watching Golden State play Utah right now, and Utah doesn't look any better to me than Boston. I mean, or uh, Toronto. So I think they're all pretty even. And uh, yeah. Like I said, I'm, I'm rolling with Cleveland. I, I think they're going to – they might carry a broom into the finals. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> so, hey, thanks again for your call. Um, hey, what do you got, Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Let's get you out of here. 
we're taking everybody's opinion on 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 what's going to be building as as a good debate between me and Brian here in the near future. <laughs> well, I mean, Jordan, I guess, is still the goat, but um, but but LeBron is is yeah, he's chasing that ghost, and if um. If he got another one in Cleveland before his career is up, then I think it's a real legitimate argument. So I guess I'll leave it at that. I think I think that's what a lot of people think is well. Hey, thanks again for your call, and don't be a stranger. Call back in thanks again. You, Thank you. And uh, yeah, Brian, I think that's where a lot of people are. I, I think I think the one thing that's unanimous, though, and I think earlier in LeBron's career it was he's got to win six for for even it to be a conversation. I think for whatever reason. That's not the conversation anymore. And I think the reason why is you have to look at each era differently. And you have to look at everybody's body of work differently. Because, you know, Russell won 11 and 13 years. And, 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 but Jordan wasn't held to that standard. I, I honestly think Jordan was kind of uh, – he was kind of held to the Magic standard. Where Magic won five in the 80s, how are you going to dominate your decade? And I think since then it's changed. Because Kobe won five. But, but people, I think, have already in, – in, Please correct me if I'm wrong, Brian. People, I think, already have accepted that LeBron's better than Kobe. Am I right in that in that assumption? I don't see how it's a real debate anymore. Joe Thomas, ironically, <laughs> left tackle, future Hall of Famer for the Browns. Uh, he actually posted uh, posted that as, as a question, which I was a little surprised about. Yeah, I don't think it's a debate anymore. But, yeah, I, I, what you said is so true. It's, it is different eras. But I think... That's why I, I'm excited to have this debate. And Jonathan's right. I'm in, I'm in that majority, I think. Or at least in, in the segment of the population that believes this is an argument that we're so close to having for real, but one more title doesn't. I, I don't, you're not going to be able to have LeBron surpass Jordan with three. You've got to at least get the four. And then the four versus six debate really, truly does become fair at that point, given two teams to two and the body of work. When you've been to eight finals and seven in a row, that is – ridiculous and that can't be discounted uh so i don't know it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna gonna be fun i'm excited that we get a chance to continue to have this debate and really let it intensify if the Cavs and you know hopefully when the Cavs uh win their second straight finals yeah and I, i think the final thing to say on that is it's just fun to discuss and i don't think on either side there should be hurt feelings or anything like that like i'm going to debate jordan when when we get to this debate you know i'm going to debate jordan but either way i mean they're both athletes i loved watching and i think the one thing about jordan that that lebron can't quite do unless cleveland wins like three or four and we got another call so we're going to get to this one too but i'm going to end this point real quick jordan made the bulls logo just so noticeable like ibm or like the hurricanes U in the 80s like Everybody knew the Chicago Bulls in the eight and the nineties, and I think that was so cool that they that Bulls logo meant something, and I don't think it obviously means anything anymore, especially to kids that don't that were born after the nineties. But everybody that grew up in the nineties, like that was the logo um, that everybody knows. Um, we have another caller, so again, just uh, let us know your name and what you'd like to talk about. Hey, this is Brandon from Maryland. Um, before I get into the whole LeBron versus. Jordan debates, which is interesting in itself. I want to take a step back and give a little bit of love to Kareem, who I think is often left out of the mix and mm. has a real um, – it really should be included in the debate for the top three players. So I think it's a, it's a clear decision between those three players and everybody else is miles behind at this point. Um, 
with regards to LeBron versus Jordan, the the thing I noticed last night watching LeBron, besides how easy everything was, another player like this in our in our lifetimes, and to be able to see both Jordan and LeBron is a gift in itself. To compare against generations is really difficult. The games have changed. The rules have changed. The league from top to bottom has a lot more talent now than it did in the 90s, but I think the 90s were a little bit more top-heavy in terms of talent, so it's, it's very difficult to compare. Yeah, okay, let me, let me ask I mean, you. I was going to say, Brian, Kareem for sure. We start off there. Then you can ask Russ, but yeah, Kareem, it is true. I mean, you know, the, the leading scorer of all time, he's just insanely dominant, really, you know, unstoppable. Um, and a champion, just like LeBron, with two teams, uh, led the Bucks to a cha- their only championship, and then, you know, a couple of the Lakers, you would know how many, because I, I don't know that kind of stuff and stats. Um, but anyway, Brian, go ahead. You can ask your question to uh, Brandon. Well, I was going to ask our caller a question. So you, you've got Kareem as number three, and then Michael and, and LeBron are like 1-1-A, you'd say at this point? I, w- I wasn't necessarily numbering the three or ordering the three of them. I think they're all – they all – I could listen to a debate from, about, from anybody about any of those three players, and I could, I could say there is merit to that debate. I'm still undecided who's mm-hmm. number one, two, and three, but I think it's very close. I think outside of that, when you start looking at Bird, Magic, and so on, it's a clear difference between those three and the next group. What, where would you put Bill Russell? On, honestly, that's very difficult. I'm, I'm only 30 years old, so everything I've seen has been – you know, videos on YouTube, and, and the, the film isn't there. They only really showed national televised games between a few teams. Uh, the league only had uh, a few teams compared to what it has today. So it's, it's tough to compare because he was a different athletic specimen compared to the guys he was playing against, and the same debate could be said for Wilt as well. I, I believe those guys would be very good if you put them in any era, but how good, I don't know. I'm gonna, I need to ask you one more thing, but I wanted to, I want to tackle this too for a little bit here. Um, the one argument I would make about Kareem would be this, and I love your comments. I love Kareem. I'm a big Kareem guy, so I really like the fact that you brought that up. And I feel bad that I did <laughs> that he he passed uh, you know LeBron passed Kareem for second all time, which is astounding to me because Kareem played in I'm trying to think right now. He won six titles and he played in at least nine NBA finals because he played in eight alone with the Lakers in the 1980s. And I want to say, I mean, he played in at least one of the Bucks, maybe two, but I know he played in at least one because him and Oscar won it in 71. The, the crazy thing about Kareem's career that I think separates him from everybody else is that Kareem won six titles in three different ways. He won in 71 being like the co-star with Oscar. And honestly, he was kind of the, you know, kind of the leading man because Oscar is kind of in his, getting a little older at that point. Uh, so he won kind of being the best player. And then he won in L.A. being the best player, but, but kind of sharing it with Magic in later years. But but when they won their, their three titles in, you know, 80, 82, 85, Kareem was the best player. Um, he was, the, I mean, 1985 at 38 years old, uh, was the MVP of the 85 finals when they called the Memorial Day Massacre when Boston just, destroyed L.A. in game one after beating L.A. in game seven and what I think is the greatest NBA finals ever, one of the best ones in 84. But then when Kareem got older, 
when he was 40 years old in 1980 and then 40 in 88, he was like the third or fourth scoring option, but still, you know, could get 30 points whenever he won and actually got 31 points in game six of the clincher in 87 against Boston. And that, to me, is the amazing thing about Kareem was, was the longevity. Now, he won titles as the best player, one of the best players, and then a, a very good starter, but not even an all-star anymore. So it, it, that, to me, is the amazing about his career. Um, and that's, I love that you made that point. If LeBron is still winning titles at 40 years old, uh, I, <laughs> that's going to be remarkable to me. Uh, do you have it? I know I'm putting you on the spot here before we get you off. Do you have a, a five? You don't need to even go by position. If you can just go, who who is your five? If you, if you need to win an NBA game against, I don't know, the Monstars somewhere, who's your five? That's that's an interesting question. I it's a toss up for me between Prime Akeem and Tim Duncan, depending on whether you want to classify him as a power forward or a center. Nice, nice. You wouldn't. Okay, Jack, I like that. Jack doesn't enter into, the, into that at all. Even though, even though I think Shaq had the most dominant peak, I'd rather have what either of those guys brings to the table. Yeah, that's probably fair. No, I can argue uh, that. Uh, I, uh, I can argue that. Yeah. Go ahead, Brian. No, I, I think it, I think it's a it, it's an awesome debate. Um, I, yeah, Tim Duncan's got to be there for me. If I, if I need to win, what he's going to do on both sides. I have to have – he's the guy who's got ice water in his veins. Not that those other guys don't. They're all, you know, champions, all tremendous players. Um, yeah, is there – I mean, I guess the tough thing is, right, is Larry Bird doesn't really fit in, I don't think, in, the, in that top five if you're going by position. And then is there any – I guess the other question then, if either you want to tackle, would be um, at point guard, is there any debate? Is it magic for sure? I would say it's magic for sure, but I'm curious if there's any debate in, uh, for point guard. I, I think um, it would be difficult would... To, to displace him, but but go ahead. No, no. I, I mean, the only person I would think of, I mean, this is going to sound really stupid, but if you don't want to waste a position on someone that doesn't score a lot, because Magic averaged 19 for his career, a very good score, but Magic played an era where three-point shooting was never a necessity for a, for a, a point guard. So Magic was not a good three-point shooter. Now, again, maybe if he was playing in today's NBA, he'd be better because he'd focus on it. But you could even put freaking LeBron at the point guard because everybody knows LeBron can pass. Or you put Allen Iverson at the point guard because you know he can score a million points. I mean, to me, it's not who's the best five ever. It's, it's give me five that I know can help us win a game. So if you really want to go with the best point guard, I don't think there's any debate on earth it's Magic Johnson. But if you want someone that can give you more points – uh, but you might sacrifice a little bit of passing, then you can go Iverson or you can go LeBron. That's interesting. So, wait, That's, thank, you. Uh, thank you very much yeah, for your call. We appreciate it. And uh, please call in again soon. And that was a good conversation, Brian. But I will say one thing to his point um, and, and kind of doing the LeBron-Jordan thing. I don't think Jordan would have won eight if he wouldn't have done the baseball thing. I think he needed that break, and I think Houston would have beaten them in one of those finals. So I think Jordan's career kind of played out perfectly because he was able to be six for six in large measure because he never had to face Kareem. But my, my five, and I want to hear yours if that's cool, Brian, I would go, yeah, I got Magic at the point, I got Jordan, I got Larry, I got LeBron, and I got Shaq, and that's my five. It's easy. And Kobe off the bench is my six. 
I mean, I, I just, I, I, again, I don't. I mean, are we going by position here? No, it's whatever. It's your five, whatever. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know how I can't have Duncan, but I don't know. I just, I leave him off the list. Yeah, see, I, 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 I'm going to cop out here for sure. I'm going to make it, make this easier on myself, and I'm going to go by position so that there is no issue there because you know then there's no debate obviously on who the, the starting three would be. <laughs> so yeah, I'll go Magic and I'll go obviously Michael and then LeBron and then I'm going to go Duncan and then I'm I'm still going Shaq. Uh, team's a great argument there uh i don't think anybody would argue with bill russell or anybody would argue with you know uh will chamberlain i guess we went kareem i guess we forgot about if kareem can be my you know my center was he considered i want to be fair here i don't, I don't want to you know make this easy on myself and, and then cop out at the same time what position would he have been classified as do you know kareem yeah is he a five or is he a four? Oh, kareem's a center kareem's a center yeah. All right. So cool. Perfect. Make it easier then. So replace Shaq and <laughs> and uh, and put Kareem there. So that would be would be my five. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, then if you wanted to do a bench, it would be fun for both of us because there's a ton of great players you could put there. I think Kobe's definitely going to be there. Obviously, you know, you mentioned Larry Bird. I think you're going to have Shaq and Elijah on. You know, the deepest front court ever. Um, so there's uh, you know, and then I, I I don't know what you do with it. it the debate is great when it when it comes to you know your Bill Russells, your Will Chamberlain. It's just so hard to know how dominant would they have been. They would have been dominant. I don't think there's any question about that. But how dominant would they have actually been in this era? And it's obviously something that's completely subjective. Um, so it's hard to really say. But I don't know if you have any opinions on just projecting or guessing on what you know about them, on, or you know, or if if it's not something you even want to go with because. It's just not really a fair debate. Either way is good with me. I think it. I think it is really sucky though that there's not more footage of Bill Russell. Everything you hear about Bill Russell, if you talk to people from the '60s, it's like Jim Brown. He talked. Even my dad, who hated the Browns, if you ever ask him who the best running back is ever, he always says it's Jim Brown. My dad saw Jim Brown play, and when he was a kid in the in the Pittsburgh in the '60s. Like, that's what you did. You went to see the Steelers play when the, the, the Packers were in town, the Colts and Johnny Unitas were in town, and when Jim Brown and the Browns were in town. That's when you went to go, if you didn't go anyways. And my dad would go, and he would marvel at watching Jim Brown, Paul Warfield, you know, all those guys play. And that's the same thing that they say with, you know, back then, is that, you know, if you watched the NBA, like, Bill Russell was it. Even though Wilt was the, was the amazing scorer, like, Bill Russell was just the the whole deal. And the sad thing is, for whatever reason, with the NBA or with the NFL, like Jim Brown's stats still hold up. Even though he only played 14 games and the NFL has changed so much, like Jim Brown's numbers still hold up. Like nine years, 12,000-odd rushing yards. He averaged 5.2 yards a carry. I mean, his numbers – and I think the biggest argument for Jim Brown was he was the best player on a championship team, the 64 Browns. Like, how often now is the best player on a team, a Super Bowl team, a running back? It's been a long time. I mean, was Marshawn Lynch maybe the best player on the Seattle team? I mean, probably not. Probably Richard Sherman. Uh, he was one of the best ones. But, I mean, it's not like it used to be with Terrell Davis and Emmett Smith and all those guys. But the thing with Russell is his statistics just don't add up today. I mean, he averaged 15 points a game for his career. Now, I mean, he averaged a ton of rebounds too, but his his numbers just don't don't measure up. And I think 
when you look at, like, you know, LeBron's numbers, I mean, yeah, he, he's not going to average 30 a game like Jordan, but his re- – I mean, I think LeBron's – without looking at anything, I think LeBron for his career is averaging 27-7-7. And, and, his, and his shooting percentage is over 50, 50%. So, yeah, he might not have scored as many as Jordan, but I want to say Jordan averaged like 36-5. and five. So, Jordan, so LeBron's averaging, you know, two full rebounds and, and another assist or two more than Jordan. And I think that's the, that's the thing, if you're going to argue LeBron, is that this is, ser- this is a guy that could literally – he can literally do everything. And, I mean, he's, he's got Magic size. But he's a way better shooter than Magic. And not quite as good as a passer as Magic, but a, a phenomenal passer. And, I mean, he's a floor – I think the one thing that no one ever talks about is, and this is why I love Larry Bird. Larry Bird was just a freaking competitor, and he was a great leader. And that's where I think whenever I see LeBron's leadership, I think, I mean, it reminds me a lot of Larry Bird. So um, it's an it's a discussion that we're going to continue to have, Brian. And I think it's a great discussion. And you know, I think it's cool because it 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 it, it allows people that don't really remember Michael Jordan to learn more about him and to learn more about his career as well. So. Um, I think it's a really, really cool thing. So I did want to shift conversation uh, a little bit to something that you and me talked about off air, Brian, and it's kind of – and I kind of started the podcast with this, kind of the character of, of players. And I didn't get a chance to ask you about, you know, the, the rest of the Browns' draft picks after day one we did our last. The Steelers definitely went with character. You could tell in this draft they went with character. I mean, Joe – I mean, they, they drafted James Conner, and I love James Conner, but was he really – I mean, most mocks had him as like a fourth or fifth round pick. The Steelers got him in the third. So they probably reached a little bit for him. Um, but that being said, you could just see that it was just more character. When you look at the Browns' picks, and when you look at the Browns overall, who they have on their team, and just overall in Cleveland sports, Brian, I mean, this could be the Indians, who they almost just won a World Series. Do you see most of these teams with the nucleus build up with guys? You can look at the rosters and say, you know what? These guys are in, and, and this is a roster filled with, with guys that you could just tell uh, have, have a championship DNA in their system. I, I would say it's impossible to, to know that about the Browns. I mean, I think you got to see it first. Uh, I, I, you know, the Browns drafted Caleb Brantley, the defensive tackle, who may end up getting caught almost immediately, uh, depending on what happens with his domestic abuse issue that he has. Um, that was an instance where in the sixth round you said, if we got to cut him, we cut him. But if he is innocent, he's, uh, you know, maybe even a first or second round talent. He also had issues in terms of his effort in college, but unquestionable first round talent as a defensive tackle. Other than that, it's, they seem like decent guys. I don't know. I don't know them. But I, I do like the idea because I want to draw the comparison between the champions, the Cavs, and the championship contenders who are nearly the champions, the Indians, because they both have the same thing. Uh, you can just – you can tell – you read uh, about it. I happen to know people to cover the team, so you know, and and have to the Indians. So I, I I know that, but I think everyone does just just from watching them and, and understanding who they are. That they're incredibly close knit. Uh, they have a lot of fun. Um, you know, they're they're all together. You know, they have this little little hand gesture where they put put their their hands together um, when they get on base. Um, so they're chemistry and it starts I think at the top with Tito Francona he, he the players respect him and there's just a, a real good camaraderie there and I think some of the veterans in 2013 even 
you know, that was really when it was, you know, you had a Jason Giambi, for instance, in 2013, and Mike Avilas in his time with the Indians, Mike Napoli last year. So you had these veterans that, you know, there's not as many here now, but, hey, it's not necessary. The talent is is catching up with the age. All of a sudden you got these guys are, are younger, but not as young anymore. So they're taking, you got guys taking leadership roles. You're Jason Kipnis of the world. Francisco Lindor, despite being extremely young, but as an all-star, he, the way he plays the game. Michael Brantley's always been by example, not a vocal guy necessarily. Um, but, you, you know, you have that. And the Cavs, obviously, we know what the, you know, how great their chemistry is. We know that they are drama queens. They like drama. They need it. Uh, TNT knows it. They crave it, the Cavaliers. But um, that's, that's fine. It's, uh, it's all good. Um, because when push comes up, they have back. And, you know, you mentioned earlier about LeBron and his leadership. And, and yeah, I mean, LeBron, I, thought, I feel like he taught a lot of lessons uh, when he was younger. He still does it a little bit, but he just – it was just different. He was always a tremendous passer and a team-first guy, always. Um, but certainly as he's matured as a person, his leadership skills have, have gotten to the point where he is now, where he's done a tremendous job. Um, I think he recognized after the first year with Kevin Love, like, I got to get – Cavs got to be a part of this thing. Like his personality maybe is different than some others. It's got to be a part of this thing. Uh, you've had the road tripping podcast all year. It's been incredible between Channing Fry and, and RJ Richard Jefferson. Um, they've had players and they've had great times with some of the guys they've had, honestly. You know, they had Corver on, they had LeBron, they had uh, Kyrie. Kyrie, that's when he made the, the famous thing about the world being flat and caused a major stir and a major issue, and that was hilarious um, and also ridiculous at the same time. So, yeah, I think those teams have it for sure. I think Hugh Jackson, everyone respects him. So that you, the, the Browns have that. <laughs> they have the head coach in terms of respect. Everyone, you know, from an offensive perspective, feels like knows exactly what he's doing. Remains to be seen. To be fair, I want to really, you know, the Raiders, the Browns, tough situations since he's been a head coach. But thus far in a small sample size, he's not been successful. Um, we'll see what happens moving forward. Hopefully he is. And, you know, he doesn't pick the players, so it's really hard to say to an extent how, how good they're going to be and, and what their character is. But, um, you know, for, I imagine that that kind of camaraderie, I mean, the Pens have to have that. <laughs> they obviously have to have that to be in this position. I can't speak to that as much. But, you know, how, how do you feel about that and, and the Steelers, you know, where, where they fit in in terms of overall connectedness? You couldn't you couldn't have, have uh, segued that better, man. That's exactly <laughs> what I want to talk about here. The Diardo uh, and the Diardo show again. If you do want to call in, I know it's incredibly late where we are, but uh, we've had some really good callers already, so thank you. But you can dial in at six one nine nine two four nine eight two eight again six one nine nine two four nine eight two eight. But you nailed it. Um, the Penguins winnings number one. I mean, and you can't. You can't deny it. You can't debate it when you watch. The winning is is everything to this team. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And I think the the beauty of the Penguins is, I mean, when you look at it, and you called me when Crosby got down. Uh, and if you don't really follow hockey a lot, uh, Sidney Crosby, the best player in the league, I mean, suffered a concussion in Game Three when when Pittsburgh was trying to go up three games to none on on Washington, who won the President's Cup now two years in a row. Um, and he's out for game four, and he's 100% going to be out for game five. Now, he did skate today, voluntary practice, no non-contact practice, but um, I, it's, it's 99% he's not going to play. And why would he play? I mean, you're up three games to one. Even if you lose this game, um, he's not – I mean, wh- whatever. you got two more games to close it out, and you're coming back to Pittsburgh for game six. And 
I expected to come back to Pittsburgh for game six. The Penguins actually had Washington in this exact spot a year ago. Lost in game five in Washington, came back and won in game six, and then moved on. But um, So I would expect Sydney to be back uh, in game seven. I, I think they're going to m- have him sit out two games. I mean, if you won last night against the President's Cup champions without Sidney Crosby and without uh, Connor Shear, you also suffered an injury one of your players as well. Um, throughout the year, uh, you're in good shape. But but you're right, Brian. I mean, th- th- it's it, it's all about winning. And, you know, they have a veteran, uh, Horn- Patrick Hornquist, who was a member of, you know, those great Detroit teams in the late 2000s. And, um, you know, he's not a star anymore, but he's still a, a great contributor, had the first goal of last night's game. And they have Phil Kessel, who, you know, he played in Detroit, and he was supposed to be like the Sidney Crosby of, of the Maple Leafs, or Toronto, rather. And you know how it is in Toronto. Like, that is, you know, hockey. You know, that's that's the hockey mecca. And he honestly didn't like the spotlight. He wanted to go somewhere where he could be second fiddle and, and kind of just do his thing. And, and he's found it in Pittsburgh because, you know what, like, when you gotta, you're going to go to a team with Mulvin and Crosby, you, you, you know, you don't have that bullseye on your back. But guess what? He's a great player, and those guys are stepping up to the challenge. So um, you nailed it, Brian. I mean, this, this Penguin team uh, is all about winning and uh, I think it just shows how great their head coach, Mike Sullivan, is. I mean, he's done a phenomenal job as their coach. Um, I think he was the difference in the, in the Columbus series. Not that Torts did a bad job, but I just thought Sullivan just, just really did a masterful job coaching in that series. Every, you know, everything that, that Torts tried to do. And, and they cha- Columbus changed quite a few things. I mean, they started the series physical, and then they tried to open the game up, and the Penguins responded to, to each of Columbus, Columbus's changes. Uh, and I thought that that, that that one, that was a big difference in that series. And I think that, again, Sullivan is out coaching his, his counterpart here. Um, and I think it's easier in hockey as sports doesn't have as much media coverage because you don't have the constant articles and the scrutiny, you know, bearing down on you. I think, you know, in hockey, you can kind of build a wall between yourself and the outside world and kind of keep all the focus on the inside. Now, on the other side, uh, Brian with the Steelers, man, uh, I'm torn. I really am. Uh, I don't know if Antonio Brown is a player that you can win a championship with because of the Facebook Live stuff. And it's weird because you hear all these stories about how he's a great leader to the younger teammates, that he tries to teach the younger guys the tricks of the trade. And I believe it because you see guys like last year, Eli Rogers, an undrafted guy two years ago that spent his whole rookie year in the practice squad, you know, coming through and making big catches during the regular season. You know, but at the same time, you see the Facebook Live thing, and then you see the AFC Championship, and the receivers stunk, dropping passes and letting Ben down to the point when, you know, Ben was so frustrated with, with those guys and their lack of focus that he almost retired, and then they have to go out and get a receiver in the second round because they just flat out don't trust uh, the guys they have. You have Martavis Bryant serving suspensions. I think in the, in the, within the Steelers organization, I think there's a big divide between the guys that are all football the guys that are kind of half in, half out, and the guys that aren't. And I, I think the guys that aren't, that's a very small number. Um, but I do think it is enough where I'm concerned because you look at New England, and as much as I don't like them um, as someone that's just a fan of the game, uh, you have to respect the fact that, I mean, man, I mean, winning's everything to those guys. And uh, you have to have everybody on your roster that way. If you have anybody that's not, I mean, you're going that you're holding everybody back. I mean, and you ran cross country, Brian, and, I mean, the biggest thing we always say in cross-country is you're only as good as your weakest link. Um, and this doesn't mean necessarily that your weakest link has to be fast. It's the fact that they're all in. 
Are they going to be supporting the guys around them? Are they going to be trying their best every single race? If they're not and they're kind of slacking off, then they're affecting the guys that are running in their group, and that affects everybody the top on down. So, um, But it's tough, man. I wish I could say to you that uh, – but, you know, again, I think that's why I think the Steelers in this draft, uh, I think they went to character. I think they – James Conner, a cancer survivor, you know, their receiver, Juju, a former rugby player and was, you know, walked on – or I'm sorry, was recruited by USC as a safety and actually played in the game during his uh, USC career five days after having hand surgery. So this is a dude that's, that's pretty hardcore. So I'm hoping they shake stuff up. I hope the young guys come in, uh, shake some things around. But I agree with you. I think that the Indians have – uh, have the right stuff in terms of leadership and the guys that want to win. Uh, I think Francona is the best manager in baseball. I think he's a Hall of Fame manager. And I think I, – and I I'm really am. I mean, let's face it, the Pirates are out of it. <laughs> they're 12 and 16. I know it's too early in the season to cash out, but they're not going to win it. So I'm I'm pulling for the Indians to win it, and I'm pulling for the Pirates to have a winning record. <laughs> so that that's where I'm at with that. But to really take things uh, full circle – I, I think that, that the Cavaliers have everybody on board to win this thing. I mean, I think, you know, and I think, Brian, we haven't really talked about this a lot. Um, I love the fact that you're not hearing the Kevin Love isn't needed crap this year. I heard that so much his first year. I heard that even a lot last year. I'm not hearing any of that anymore. I think finally people understand how important Kevin Love is to this process, and I'm so glad now that people can just embrace him being here and just be happy with that he is helping out and being a part of this run. Because I was so tired of hearing that his first year here. Yeah, well, this year, is, this year it's been a true big three. I think that's there, – there's not even a question anymore, like you said. So it's great to hear. Um, I do – you know, hey, I actually you know, I do want to talk some hockey. Um, and, and I do – you know, for, especially for the, for the Penn fans that are listening and maybe some Cats fans too, get into that series a little bit. But – um, I want to talk about the hit, but before we get there, just kind of just your, your take on this. Like, you know, Washington wins the President's Cup. Clearly the top team, the whole NHL, regardless of conference. Um, they were clear. I mean, there's no doubt, right? I mean, not only did they win the President's Cup, they looked the most dominant. They got tremendous goaltending out of Holtby throughout the year. Um, and we know just how dominant they are. The second year in a row winning the President's Cup, I believe. Um, but the, you know, just tremendous yeah. regular season, and ultimately, now here we go. It's sitting here, game. You know, it's, it's game five, right? Three to one, Penguins with a chance to uh, to win it, and they've really struggled. And, and the fact that now Sidney Crosby has hurt, and and the Penguins managed to still win a game, and you just, I guess, my question is. How much of it is mental at this point? Because it would seem like it's got to be, I don't want to say completely mental. I don't want to disrespect the reigning Stanley Cup champion Penguins by saying that. But I just don't see how it, it meant the mental piece isn't at least uh, a factor. And how big a factor, I don't know. So that's what, that's what I wanted to get your opinion on uh, before we talk about the hit is how much men, is, is this mental, uh, this series, do you think? And how much of it's just, you know, the talent and execution and coaching and all that other stuff. I cut it into three slices. I think a lot of it is mental, and you can see it. I mean, in game three, Washington has a 2 nothing lead, and they give up two goals in the final two minutes to force overtime. And they collected themselves and won in overtime. But 
it was like they expected bad things to happen and bad things happened. I mean, they totally choked that, I mean, at least in regulation. And they didn't win any face-offs. Pittsburgh just had every shot they wanted at the net, and they tied the game. And it was like expected. And then, you know, last night, it, again, it was almost like, you know, Penguins had the lead, they tied it, and then Pittsburgh scored again. And you could just tell, even though Washington dominated play, they couldn't get the puck past Flurry. And I think there is a lot of it that's mental that they just can't get past uh, Pittsburgh. That, that, so, there, yes, to answer your question, I think that's a third of it. I think the other part is the fact that um, they don't get any better during the season. And I think they have they – they remind me of, like, the Celtics in the NBA – and the Penguins remind me of the Cavs, where the Penguins played through large stretches without Malkin during the regular season and with other, without other players, without Latang, and, you know, now with Murray being hurt. So the Penguins, I think, had – I mean, they had the most – you know, they had the most injuries in the NHL easily. Um, I think over 300 man games missed during the regular season. So they have been dealing with adversity all year long. So, I mean, before the Crosby injury – this was as healthy as they had been all year long, even though they're playing without Murray, their starting goalie, and without Latang, their best defender, so, and maybe the best defender in the league. But they, you know, they were still pretty healthy because they at least whenever you have Mulgan and Crosby on the ice, you're going to be way healthy. And they've played again large stretches without those guys together this year. So as Washington played pretty much consistent all year, Pittsburgh. Again, they're kind of like the Cavaliers, where they kind of worked through things. They kind of waited for guys to get healthy. And then when the playoffs happen, they kind of ratcheted everything up. And I think that's what you're seeing. You're seeing Cleveland, you know, Pittsburgh's kind of taken the Cleveland, let's just navigate through the regular season, then we're going to up the ante in the playoffs. And then you've got Washington kind of being like Boston, where they kind of play the same way all year long, and they really don't, you know, they don't really don't elevate their game. And I think that's, that's the final thing you're seeing is that, you know, the Penguins really just are a complete team. I mean, for whatever reason, you know, Washington just never built um, – you know, in the postseason, you need more scores. Washington's always been a, a you know a pretty defensive team. Yes, they have Ovechkin. Yes, they have uh, Oshie. But other than that, I mean, they spend money on defensive players, um, and that's just how it's been with them. They really haven't really ever uh, stacked up on centers the way the Penguins do. And you know, yes, the Penguins do lose some bad games in the regular season. I mean, everybody, every Blue Jacket fan remembers that seven to one game. You know, but like the Cavs, you know, in the postseason, the Penguins. You know, they tighten up their defense, uh, and they'll give up some bad games. I mean, there was that Columbus game. They give up, I think, five goals. So, again, there's still games where Pittsburgh's going to wet the bed, uh, you know, on defense. But they spend their money on, on scores, and that's what you see in the playoffs. I mean, you need scores in the playoffs because it, it gets harder to score in the playoffs. And you saw that with the Blue Jackets as well as as great of a regular season as they had. And, and Columbus, as you know, I mean, they were fourth in the league in scoring. Uh, but they don't have scores, and when you get to the playoffs, you need scores. That's what the Penguins have, and that's what uh, Washington doesn't have enough of. And that's the thing. I mean, when you look at game four, my dad going into the game was like, well, no Crosby. This is Malkin's night. Malkin can exercise some demons and, sh- and kind of get himself out of Crosby's shadow and Ovechkin's shadow. Malkin didn't score a point, uh, but Pittsburgh still had a strong enough team to win. Ovechkin didn't score a point either, but his team lost. And that, again, just shows you that if Ovechkin doesn't carry the load, they don't win. So that's kind of my uh, long-winded synopsis on what you said. It, 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 it's three different things, but but the mental thing is certainly a part of it. Well, there you go. Uh, it's Yeah, I mean, and 
you know, that's, a, that, that's why I think I really am enjoying hockey because I'm learning, but I know it's not, you know, I'm more of a casual fan than who's learning more. And I don't have any history with it. So I've always liked, liked hockey, respected hockey. And uh, it's been good. It's been fun to, to enjoy it. And, I mean, I'd like to kind of see the series get extended. I think it should be more interesting that way. Um, but, yeah, it certainly would seem that this is not happening for, for the Capitals. And, well, you know, I, I know how – go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, you know, I, I don't know if that's a good thing because I think you're going to get a good series in the Easter Conference. I think for Blue Jacket fans, you're going to get a really interesting Easter Conference Finals if it's Pittsburgh, New York, which I think it's going to be because you're going to get Nash, Broussard, uh, and New York. I think New York was the team that Columbus should have played, uh, and then you're going to get Pittsburgh, which obviously Columbus knows very well. So if you're a Blue Jacket fan, I think you're really going to be interested in the Easter Conference Finals because you're going to get a lot of familiar faces. And, uh, you know, New York is a, is a classic NHL team. Uh, I believe they're part of the original six. Uh, so it's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. It just depends on if Crosby's going to come back, when he's going to come back. I think now it's pretty clear that he's going to come back. It just depends on whether it's going to be in this series or they're just going to hold him out until the Easter Conference Finals. I mean, I would say he's not going to play until Game 7. I would pretty much predict he's not going to play until Game 7. But uh, uh, until you have to have him in a must-win situation, I don't, I don't think there's any possibility that he plays in Game 5. You wouldn't think that there would be any reason to, um, like you said, because of the it's a, a concussion and the significance of that injury and having them before. It's not something that uh, that you want to you want to mess with. Um, I, 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 I'll, I'll say this for sure too: is that I have no interest in the Rangers moving forward. So I don't really care. Assuming it's the Penguins would be you know great, whatever. Uh, if somehow the Capitals, which I don't see happening, where they somehow win the. Um, then hopefully they win. I'm never going to see a New York team win. It's just not going to happen. But let's get to the hit. Uh, I'm going to talk about this. I want to get your opinion because I know this is something that people are very fired up about. I know Capitals fans who are not Sidney Crosby fans and, and very critical of him, uh, you know, don't have a problem with the hits and have some issues with, with him, with Crosby as a, a player, um, you know, considering him to be dirty and – whatever it may be. So I, I know that that's out there from the Capitals perspective. Um, overall, your thoughts on the hit and, you know, should there have been more discipline? There, was it, was it the, the, the right amount of discipline? Was it not a big deal to hit? Just bad luck. Um, well, overall. again, I, I think, sorry, bro. I think, I think the best way to compare it would be, you know, especially if there's a lot of NBA fans listening, you compare it to LeBron James. They feel like if LeBron James was cutting to the basket, and there's there's two parts that hit. There's the Ovechkin hit, then there's the Niskanen hit. So let's talk about Ovechkin's hit first. So LeBron's going up for a layup, and you know player A is already getting beat on the play, Ovechkin, and he kind of like grabs LeBron's shoulder to prevent him from from dunking or getting to the basket. And inadvertently, his elbow hits LeBron in the head, which is Ovechkin's stick. Ovechkin initially high-sticked Crosby just so he couldn't score, which, you know, that that's a penalty, and that's fine. I mean, it happens. I mean, you would like to just see him not do that, but that's hockey, especially in a playoff game when you're down 2 nothing, You have to do things like that. So that, that, that that's understood. Uh, and then, obviously, his stick hits Crosby in the head, which that's inadvertent. So, again, if LeBron's going for a layup and player A grabs him by the shoulder, then elbows in the head, okay, well, that's accidental. I think, you know, people don't like that, but I can understand Ovechkin doing it because 
again, he can't let Crosby score in that situation. It's it's a two nothing series. He wasn't high sticking him in the head. It just accidentally happened. But as he's falling forward, then you have Niskin coming up and hitting him in the head. And again, that's like if so you know LeBron's falling down because of the hit by player A. Then all of a sudden you see a player just kind of running up and then hitting him, you know, forearming him in the head. I mean, that would cause, I would say, in the NBA, an absolute, you know, uproar and fighting and ejections and benches clear. You just, you wouldn't see that. And, you know, I don't think, I don't think this getting in, it was, it was planned. I think that the weirdest part of this whole situation is that Washington had a closed door meeting uh, before game three, a players only meeting. And some people, I mean, people, there's a Pittsburgh writer in, in Pittsburgh went as far to say is that it was planned that we're going to take out Crosby. I don't think that happened. But I think that they certainly took advantage of the situation. Niskanen is a former Penguin. He was borderline dirty in Pittsburgh. Uh, and, you know, he's a guy that you, you hate if he's not on your team, but you love when he is. Uh, that's kind of the guy that he is. And um, I think, you know, kind of like Birdman, I guess, in the NBA, or, I'm trying, or maybe even a Draymond Green. Uh, maybe, but I've never had him on my team, so I've never liked Draymond Green. But, but anyways, it, it was a—I don't want to say it was a dirty hit because again, I don't think it was premeditated. But he, but he certainly didn't go out of his way uh, to—he he didn't go out of his way to get out of the way. He didn't need to lower his shoulder, and I think he at that point you got a, fr- a free shot on Crosby, you're going to take it. And I think he definitely—he—he he hit Crosby. I don't think there's any question there. Again, I don't think he meant to injure him. I don't think he meant to do anything terrible, but he, he wanted his shot at Crosby and he got it. I don't think there's any debating that. And you show they showed even previous footage recently on another uh, sports station. Oh, Niskanen has a history of cheap shotting Crosby. Um, and again, I, I don't think this was premeditated, but he got his shot at him and he took it. And I don't think there's anybody that can argue outside of that. No way. I have no problem with Ovechkin. Again, it'd be like if LeBron's going for a dunk and a player grabs his shoulder. I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, it, it's an intentional foul. Uh, but the Niskanen thing, uh, I think it was, yeah. I mean, he he had a shot to hit him, and he took it. And that's the thing in the in the NHL that has to change, and that's what a lot of people are saying. And, you know, Brian, there, there's a – without getting too lame, there's a cultural war right now in the NHL going on between – the old school hockey fans, quote unquote, that are like, well, that's just hockey, and the tough guys need to take the shots, and that's how it is. And then there's people, you know, like that are saying that's that's a prehistoric way of thinking. Like that's why our stars can't finish playoff runs, and that's why in the NBA, if that ever happened to LeBron, you would see an out and out, you know, outrage. It just wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. Like a player would go out of his way not to hit LeBron, and rightfully, I mean. I'm sorry, there there are different rules for different players. And Sidney Crosby is a different player. You know, LeBron James is a different player. You can't have your best player not play in the playoffs. Terrible thing for the uh, for, for your league. And until uh, the old guard NHL uh, gets off their high horse, then in the NHL does something about this, then, I mean, Niskanen wasn't given any kind of suspension or anything. You give him a five-minute major and that was it. And he needed to be suspended for a game in my opinion or something because uh, he, he could have gotten out of the way and he chose not to. Yeah. It's, it's very fascinating, you know, to see it. And that's something that that's what makes hockey unique of course, is that, you know, you, you, 
you know, you get a, you get an opportunity in the open field to hit somebody. Uh, obviously, in or in the open, I'm thinking of football. With football, you, you you might get a chance in the open field tackle, get a good shot at a guy, but it's not always easy to get a good shot. You know, whether it's a quarterback or a running back or receiver, depending upon situation. So, um, yeah, but, but I, I, I think will it's, say this, uh, Brian, real I think quick. Um, I think I think that in this situation. Um, the play was to the Penguins' advantage and to Washington's disadvantage. Because last night, you could tell – and a lot of people going into the game, Brian, were like, what, what are the Penguins going to do? And everybody was calling – all again, all the old-school NHL people were like, well, you know you know the Penguins are going to retaliate. And, and one player, one Penguin player, Schultz, who had a goal in game three and has had a really good playoff run, he said what's, – what's, or he was Ian Cole, I'm sorry. He goes, what's the point? We fight him, then we're giving up. Then we're on the five-minute major, and they are on the power play. Like, why would we do that? And it's the Penguins. I think are trying to adapt to the to the new way of thinking, which is that you know we needed to be centered on hockey. Yes, we're going to hit hard. Yes, we're going to you know rough some feathers, and we'll even get in some fights. But we're not going to go out and hit hunt. That's not who we are. That's not what we're going to do. And you honestly could see. I mean, there was an edge to the fans last night. There was an edge to the players last night. You know, they roughed up Niskanen, but they never got in any fights. There were no fights last night. There were some pushing and shoving, but there were no fights. And I think for the Penguins, it was almost like with the bad boy Pistons and the Bulls in, in the 1991 when the Bulls finally got past them. And it was like, we're not going to retaliate. We're going to show them that we're, we're tougher than that. And I think it was an advantage for the Penguins and a disadvantage for Washington. But, uh, you know, but, but you know, it, it's going to be a war of attrition. And, you know, I don't agree with you, Brian. I want to, I want to see this series end as soon as possible. I think it is going to be at least extended to six. So I think you're going to be uh, you're going to be treated to at least a six game. I'm really enjoying the fact, Brian, that you're getting into hockey. And I think it's the amazing thing about hockey is you honestly almost have to have like, you know, the things that apply during the regular season don't apply in the postseason. And that's again when Columbus fans were starting to, you know, give me some crap when Columbus was beating the Penguins in the regular season, I kept thinking, you know, unless Columbus can get another bona fide score, they're not going to be able to compete with Pittsburgh. Now, I think they're getting them. I think Winooski is going to be unbelievable. I think he's he's going to be a great player, a 50-goal scorer, maybe even next year. He's that good. And they're going to get more great players from their, their minor league system in Cleveland. Uh, but until then, uh, but yeah, Brian, I mean – I'm excited about the hockey run, and I'm excited to see if Sydney, you know, when Sydney comes back. But again, I don't think it's going to be until a game seven, if there's a game seven. But, uh, but yeah, man, I don't know about baseball. My Pirates really suck. So if you want to talk some baseball, it's all you. I got nothing to talk about with the Pirates. I mean, with, you know, without Marte uh, and now uh, McCutcheon back at center field, he's starting to struggle again, and the and the Pirates are having trouble. They're, you know, like I said, they're twelve and sixteen, buddy, and and uh, like I said, man, I'm not not very optimistic. I can understand that being rough. The, the, the Marte thing was bad. Uh, I, it's it's very early, and we talked about this. It was going to be an uphill battle to win the division because the Cubs are going to win the division, and they're not even off to that good of a start. You know, neither do Indians. It's that's what's great. Baseball is a long game, um, a long season. You see, so often teams are get off to really good starts or better starts are in first, and they suck. Great example: Chicago White Sox. Watch them; they are going to fall big time. Um, you know, the Reds got off to a tremendous start. I don't know where they're at, 
because I don't care because I know, as I've said to you over and over, they're going to start. They're going to suck when it's all said and done. So I don't care where they're at, but I know they will get to where they belong if they're not already there. So I don't care. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited about the fact with the Indians that the Tigers don't seem to have the starting pitching that you can be confident enough in, and that's what makes me feel good. Verlander looks great. He finally beat the Indians. Congrats. You did it, buddy. You finally beat us. We're going to get you one more time this year and break the record, and it's going to be incredible. Uh, it's going to be the most losses that any pitcher, and that's not a record, but it's an active record. It'll be the most losses any pitcher has against any team. Justin Verlander uh, is about to have uh, next time he loses to the Indians. Um, so that's exciting. But I, I just feel like the Tigers, you know, Michael Fulmer in his second year looks like the real deal, looked like the real deal last year. And, having a pretty good year. We'll see what happens. But they just don't have reliable arms you can trust after. Jordan Zimmerman, I thought, was a good signing, and he's been awful for them. It's awesome, but uh, a shocker. Uh, he was thought he was very good, and it's been terrible. Um, and then they've got a couple of, of, of younger lefties. they got Norris, who is a little banged up now. And they got Boyd. Uh, you know, they uh, have a, have guys that are okay, but not guys you can truly trust in that rotation. And the Indians, I saw someone tweet this and was so true. The Indians are, are a couple over 500 and Kipnis has been hurt slash when he's been active, hasn't been that good. Santana's not having a very good start to his season. Kluber's not having a very good start to his season. Uh, Gomes has been terrible. Uh, so when push comes to the Gomes, we don't know what's going to happen with him moving forward. And Edwin Encarnacion has not been as good as you expect him to be, and neither has Trevor Bauer. So that's a lot of talent right there that are struggling, and the Indians are basically in first place because, you know, they're ahead of the Tigers, and all that really matters is the Indians and the Tigers with the Royals then have been horrendous. I mean, they have one of the worst records in baseball. Um, sucks for them. It's a bummer, and we'll see what happens. But uh, the central division has been really tough and it's not this year. It's just not, there's no, I can't defend it. I'd like to, but I can't, uh, with, with the Royals playing the way they're playing. And then you factor in the twins and the white Sox who are white Sox playing great, but are going to start to suck here soon. That's, it's not a very good division. And Detroit is going to have a very hard time winning the wild card. The, the overall talent that is, uh, in the American league. We'll see where I'm not going to completely count them out, but it's going to be hard for them. To, uh, you've got to figure the East is going to end up with two teams when it's all said and done. And we'll see what happens out, out West. Houston's definitely going to make it. And will there be another team that joins them? So overall, I feel very good. And the Indians are, are, are playing fairly well without a lot of key contributors doing anything. Uh, as for the, the, the Pirates, yeah, it's going to be – it looks like it's going to be tough. We'll see. Garrett Cole, though, let, let's be positive about one thing. Garrett Cole is supposed to be an ace, and he's looked like one. He's really – didn't have the best maybe first two starts, but he has been incredible, lights out. And he's crushed the Cubs in two starts this year, which is funny. That's been – the Cubs' biggest Achilles heel has been the Pirates. It's, it's funny how things work out. You know, you said being 12 and 16. But uh, any any final thoughts you want to wrap up? We went overtime. This the Art Rose show was, was jam-packed, lots of good stuff, and we went well over time, which is great. It's been fun. Uh, any, anything else – in general, you want to add here to, to wrap it up? Could be baseball or anything that we haven't discussed? Well, a couple of things. Uh, well, Tony Parker, torn tendon out for the playoffs. That's official. So, no Tony Parker the rest of the way, which is crazy. Um, 
So, it, it, I mean, it looks like it is going to be Golden State. I, there's no way Houston's going to beat them. So, uh, I thought it's interesting the Yankees were off such a good start. And everybody's talking about Judge with, with all the home runs he's hit. So, I don't know, man. I, I think just because I'm an old school, you know, sports guy, I think it'd be cool to see like New York, Cleveland in the playoffs again. Our old buddy Dylan. I still remember the '07 playoffs with all the bugs on Java Chamberlain. <laughs> so I hope that happens. And uh, you know, but that that's about it, man. I, I'm. Uh, I mean, and you know, this is crazy because I'm, I'm watching the Golden State game now. Uh, Mike Brown getting interviewed. And how crazy would that be if? if Coach Kerr can't return, and you would get like a Mike Brown and LeBron finals. Isn't that again? Nothing in the sports world should surprise anyone anymore. I mean, it, nothing. So, with that being said, those were all of my thoughts. We did go over time, but it was a very good show. I enjoyed it, Brian, and as always. And uh, I think I've pretty much gotten every single thing out. On a, on a one final note, I can finally breathe a little bit because I think now nothing's going to happen in the NFL for quite some time. And this truly is my favorite time of the sports season. It really is. Like, this next month, I lo- I've i always loved the NBA Finals. I always have. I, I love them. And uh, it's, always, it, it's been awesome growing up because I'm not – without having a uh, basketball team in Ohio, I kind of just – well, in Columbus, I kind of just migrate around. So, you know, I followed MJ. I followed Kobe. When I was very little, I followed Magic. And I've always been a fan of LeBron, even you know going back to high school. So I've always followed his career. So uh, excited for the prospect again to watch one of my favorite players uh, ever in the finals. So and again with the Penguins still in it, uh, this is my favorite time of year, regardless. But but having two teams I care about uh, still in it is awesome, man. So I'm signing off, buddy, and uh, take us home, man. What do you got for uh, your final Rosen's rumblings here on the Jared Rose Show? Yeah, I'm just feeling good. Let, let's end with something wonderful. The best thing you could possibly uh, hear about uh, today and, and related to sports, but not obviously sports directly, is J.R. Smith. His uh, daughter, Dakota, is now six pounds, which is awesome. Very exciting. Um, was, I believe, four months. I'm, I'm sorry, I apologize. I shouldn't, shouldn't have this in front of me, but I believe it was four months premature. And um, it's wonderful, wonderful news that that happened. Um, you know, it, it's been a, a tough road. And it's going to continue to be a tough road, and who knows? But, uh, man, it's, uh, it's wonderful to see the progression for Dakota Smith and uh, really happy for J.R. and his wife, and uh, that's what's most important. also want to say, I'm, you know, I'm, I mentioned it before, you know, at the end of the somber toe, keeping this all positive, Channing Fry, I'm so happy that guy's been so good this playoffs. Lost both parents in a short period of time uh, during the season. Um, that's brutal. And I give the guy so much credit for a tough regular season. Obviously, and same with Jr. Um, you know, Jr. I think can be better, and I I hope he will be, and, and I think he will be confident enough in him. But Channing Fry, with a year he's had, man, well, it's so wonderful to see him having a great series against Toronto and, and, and did some good things against uh, the Pacers as well. So guys to root for that. that that's part of it. It's bigger than basketball. You got guys who faced a lot of tough crap this year for the Cavs and just brings, uh, it brings real, I think, man, it brings real teams together. And uh, it certainly happened this year. And I can't wait. I'm hoping that the Cavs uh, can win it in four. I didn't make a prediction. I'm not, I'll say five. I'm going to give, give the Raptors a game but ultimately I feel like if the Raptors win game three and the Cavs win game four it ends in Cleveland in game five which would be great um hopefully it ends in four but if it ends in five fine 
Fans and six, fine, whatever. It doesn't really matter. If we beat the Warriors, it's going to be great. And if we don't, it's going to be disappointing. So, um, But very excited. Lots of good stuff ahead. Have a great weekend, everybody. It's Derby weekend. Can't wait for that. Very exciting. Uh, looking forward to it. And uh, uh, to everyone, have a, a wonderful evening. I guess it's a pretty dumb thing to say. It's a podcast you could be listening to at any point. So uh, good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever it is. Uh, thanks so much for joining us on the Diardro Show. And this show is now over.